welcome to the Top Order podcast this week in cricket coming to you. That's Raj's iPad falling over in the background. It is a phone stand after all. <laughs> ICC World Test Championship final, the sixth day is going to come into force. We've also got the BCCI deciding that they want to continue with the IPL and how that's going to unpick with the Caribbean Premier League and a whole host of international cricket going on at the same time. We talked the Black Caps warm-up game and Folks' socks as well, as well as a little bit of South Africa, West Indies. All coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. So the playing conditions for the World Test Championship final have come out, answered some of our questions from the previous week. So the Duke's grade A cricket ball will be the weapon of choice for Wagner Bolt, Saudi and co as we move into that as well as a sixth day um, if required as well so um, hopefully meaning we're going to get a result in that and not have the situation where the trophy is shared between India and New Zealand which would happen in the event of a draw what do we think about um, I guess those two things the ball and and then the sixth day fellas well I think that we sort of knew all of that other stuff Uh, I think the sixth day you know we've been talking about playing with the Dukes ball. I mean, the teams must have known this for a long time. They've been talk- they've been talking about how they've been training with the Dukes for, for ages and ages and ages. But that sixth day is, is the, I guess, the surprising thing. And I wonder if we'll start seeing that come into force in Test cricket in, in general because it seems like a good option, really, when you think about it and all the, the delays. I suppose Tests these days don't actually normally go to the fifth day the way that cricket's going. But, you know, if you want to get results and, and ensure that you get them, then having an extra day seems like a good idea to me. Yeah, it's only to make up for time lost to weather that doesn't get made up over the course of that day or or the next couple of days in the test match. So it's not for bad... It doesn't look like it's for bad light here. So it says... No, it will be for bad light. Yeah, it will be for bad light as well. They give an example of rain, but it probably will be for bad light, but not for slow over It says something about it being decided on the afternoon of the fifth day. Like, what does that actually mean? Well, I think the reason for that is because of the first part of the regulation, which is it'll only kick in if there's time lost during regulation play that's not made up. They're only going to know whether that's the case on the fifth and final day as to whether they can make those overs up. To Bordy's point, if it's weather, then obviously, yes, that might happen. Light, I don't think it's actually going to be an issue in England at that time of the year because you're playing in almost the longest part of the UK summer. Uh, we have a pretty decent extended daylight, floodlights at the ground as well. Very mm. rarely do you not get your overs in due to lights now yep. in England. It Fair will enough. just be a weather conversation, I think. Early starts as well, I think. I think that's the start time is, is 10.30. I think that just suits the New Zealand and, and Indian audiences better, which is it's great for us. Obviously, here in New Zealand, we can kind of get through that first session, 9.30 to 11.30, pretty nicely, and, and then kind of... Decide if you want to really kick in and, and do an all-nighter or uh, or just... Uh, or you want to get up for work in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, few, going to be a few tough days over the next uh, next three weeks, I think, for, for us Black Caps fans. So the, the ball is the same ball they usually use in Test cricket? Yeah, so it, it is the same uh, yeah, same ball, the, the Dukes cricket ball. And I'd imagine the seamers from both sides will be licking their lips um, um, with that prospect. Um, as well as uh, yeah, as well as uh, Virat Kohli and Ashwin who've given it the thumbs up as well. Okay, next topic we're going to move on. So the BCCI again uh, make a unilateral decision that they are going to conduct the remainder of the IPL 2021 uh, with players or not, by the sounds of it, with Caribbean <laughs> Premier League um, clashing um, their own Indian team as well. Um, going to be in a bit of a rush um, to get back from a hurdle perspective. Their Indian. 
uh, England five-match series is scheduled to end on September uh, the 14th. So they're going to need to hot-foot it back um, for the start um, of the revision or the revised start of the IPL. What do we think about this? It, it just seems like a little bit of a, a unilateral decision and, and, and haven't actually thought through all the ramifications and certainly haven't got a resolution on whether or not um, the Caribbean Premier League um, are happy to move proceedings or or make some, um, I guess, uh, concessions. And the same with the, you know, their own um, their own players as well. Well, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is for the Indian players who are playing in their England Test Series, marquee Test Series, five tests in England, finishes ostensibly on September the 14th. They've then got to get from England to the UAE in time for, what, September 18th? I yep. believe. 20th, 18th, 20th. But their, their plan for that is to just go from a bubble to a bubble so there won't be any real quarantine right. required. Right, okay. And for the people playing in the Caribbean Premier League, they're going to have to go from the Caribbean all the way across to the UAE and presumably they will have to go through public airports and therefore would be subject to quarantine, you yeah, would think. They'll have to isolate that. So that, that's prompt, prompted the BCCI to ask, request, that the um, CPL start... 10 days earlier or so, so that can finish a bit earlier. Right. Give them enough time to quarantine for seven days, I think it is, before the start of the um, the IPL or the resumption of the IPL. That would that would actually mean that the CPL would start before the end of the West Indies home summer. Mm. So there'll still be the 2020s going on with Pakistan, I believe is the last series. Mm. So that would put the West, Cricket West Indies out. So I don't know if they'll be doing that. but Yeah. Let me go on. Oh, I was just going to say. I mean, nothing's really changed from from my views. I mean, the, the ICC, the BCCI has obviously just decided. Look, we're going to go ahead with this. It's worth too much money, and almost like you say, whether the players come or not, because I think there we're going to see more than ever. Some players are just going to go. No, I got, this is just not going to work for me. Mm. And you know, whether it becomes a tournament where there's half the overseas players don't go or whether it means someone like Finellan gets a gets a crack at RCB or, mm. you know, we're thinking about all the overseas players, but they do have eight overseas players and they can only play four at a time. So, you know, maybe it just means we are going to get to see some fresh faces, overseas players that, that actually get an opportunity, whereas otherwise they might not have. I, I know that probably takes away from the tournament a little bit, mm. but in a way, you know, maybe it, maybe it adds a bit of interest as well. Do we think that that's what's going to happen, that you'll he- end up with a whole bunch of players showing up two or three games into the tournament? You might have Finn Allen and McLennigan and, and those kind of players feature early on in the re- in the resumption and then the other guys come in a bit later on because you're backing on to the World Cup for T20s that's likely now, you would think, to be in the UAE starting, what, October 20th, October something 16th, like that? Yeah, like that. They haven't, they, and they haven't actually kind of admitted that to themselves India yet I don't think it seems like they're still trying to play it at home but you can't I mean surely not I after think this so now after this announcement I just wonder whether this is all about the cash that the minute they say nah it's not going to go ahead they've got to start giving some money back potentially to the broadcaster or to sponsors so the longer they can say we are going to carry this on um, they've got a way or a, a, a slight chance that they might be able to get it um, get it on. There's a lot of water to go under a lot of bridges before we get to this point. But worth noting that in England, where India are obviously going to play, England have just announced their highest case numbers in a long, long time, um, a spike with the Indian variant. And they've got up to 4,000 cases. They were sitting at about 2,000 a day um, in the weeks um, prior. I also think that some of the players are going to be a little bit gun shy to actually get over 
um, even to the UAE. You know, you've seen some of these guys that have had a, a long and arduous route. Tim Seifert's spoken out this week about, uh, you know, he was left stranded. No, and, and look, no um, sense of impropriety. He was well looked after by his franchise, but said very lonely to be kind of left there for that period of time when, you know, all of his countrymen had, had, had obviously flown out and managed to get either to the Maldives or or home. I just wonder whether the players are going to put themselves in that level of uncertainty, particularly then knowing that the World Cup might take place as well. Um, so I just wonder whether this is just a cash conversation and they don't want to admit that they're not going to be able to hold either tournament, really. I, I do have a, two or three points to make. The first, first one I want to make is on the players you're talking about. So England, I think, have basically come out and said, we're not going to send our players to the IPL ahead mm. of that. It's too much. They need a break before they go into the World 2020 if that, in fact, goes ahead. There's also talk that Pat Cummins and, and David Warner won't be going as well. So that, that list is sort of growing as, we, as we're talking about. It. And I guess that's what we're looking for is the players to vote with their feet. If they have the option to play it, India tick that box and getting that game, the games done. They need that revenue generated. Yep. So moving now on now to the, to the T20 World Cup. India at that uh, general special meeting where they... Um, virtual special, virtual special, special meeting. meeting yeah. Where they decided to... Uh, you know, restart the IPL. They also asked for a bit more time on where they're going to decide where the IP, uh, the World 2020 will be. I, I found it interesting. There was a couple of reasons that, that this has been delayed. I don't know if you guys saw the article, but they were talking about, one, there's actually a tax exemption for the World Cup from the IC, from the from the Indian government, mm. which is actually around you know 120 125 million dollars. Substantial. Uh, yeah, that that's a massive sort of exemption there. That so they, there's a lot of obviously regulations and government stuff that needs to be worked through uh, from that perspective, but also the country's actually red listed and they can't go through and do a lot of their checking of pitches and facilities and how that is actually in India at the moment. So. The more and more this builds up, it's looking less and less likely that the games will be played in India at all. They also talked about the likelihood of a third wave popping up as well. Mm. Thoughts on that, World 2020? Oh, look, I mean, I think I, I think to me that the fact that the IPL is, is in UAE, I think that's just the signal that eventually we'll get there. I mean, it's it's tough for the BCCI to admit that. I think, I think that's the tricky thing. And, and like you said, it's just, you know, we can sit here around this table and say, oh, it's all about money, but... That's a pretty significant amount of money, and you can you can absolutely see why. As much as I think it's ridiculous, you can absolutely see why that happens because it is such a staggering number. And but so if we are to move to Dubai or UAE, have you guys figured out the problem there? There's a problem staring everyone in the face, and that problem is that if they're going to play What's in those the problem, Raj? in those three <laughs> venues, they're going to have to pay seventy six matches across across that month period, month and a half period, at those three venues, unless they open some more up, which I don't know if they can do. Mm. So you'd want to bring a spinner or two, I think. And you're also playing multiple games every day to fit 76 games into 20 days and three grounds. Yeah, so that's with the IPL and the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure on the, the facilities. I know um, in Dubai, there's a ground outside the ground that's to the, almost the same specifications. Obviously, it doesn't have a stand around it. Mm. So if you've not got fans there, um, you presumably could actually set up TV cameras and have you know a game going on. Recreating that sort of venue feel might be a little bit um, difficult. It feels to me, though, that for me, the integrity of the tournament's got to be the thing here. So the, the ICC surely need to, to step in and have a word and say, look, we need to do quite a lot of work to get this on in the United Arab Emirates. 
Um, we've got some alternatives potentially um, for us to be able um, to yeah to, to to look at that as well. Um, you know, the the timing that this is coming. I'm pretty sure New Zealand would be keen to host it at the start of our summer here um, and could actually put on a pretty decent tournament. I'm sure Australia uh, may say the same thing as well if, um, you know, this Melbourne outbreak notwithstanding. So, um, yeah, I, I just wonder what conversations are going on at that boardroom table at the at the ICC and really whether or not they've actually got any teeth to um, to really enact any change. As far as grounds are concerned, though, like the grounds that we had for the IPL in the, at the end of last year, they were really good. Like there was some really good quality cricket played on those grounds. So as far as the logistics of the hotels, and I mean, sure, there were only eight teams at that tournament and there'll be more on the World T20, but in terms of the way that that tournament was organised and run by the, the you know, ostensibly it was, you know, Indian teams plus yeah. the UAE cricket people putting that together, but that actually ran really, really well. So if they can replicate that and have some success in hosting the remainder of the IPL, I feel really re- reasonably confident that the UAE could put on a good tournament because it has reasonable cricket grounds, good Absolutely. cricket grounds, and and there's so many hotels that they'll be able to find enough you know, suitable venues, you would think, uh, for all the teams. The travel between the, the venues and the logistics of who plays where and when is, is going to be really interesting from a playing perspective because you might end up with not quite back-to-backs, but two games in three or four days at a particular venue to try and get everything in in. Well, in, and that was one of the criticisms, wasn't it, of that IPL, was that um, I think it was a pretty lengthy bus trip to, to get yep. um, to one of the yeah one of the grounds from mm. the centres that, that they were um, that they were staying at. Yeah, look, I think that's probably enough speculating for now. Let's move on to some cricket that's uh, actually just around the corner, which is super exciting for for all of us around the table. Do we want to talk the New Zealand warm-up game or or Slippery Socks first, Binksy? Yeah, well, um, Slippery Socks. Ben Folks is um, apparently, look, I don't know the full details of it, but slid on his socks in the changing room out of the Oval, pulled a hamstring and is out for three months. So... um, Real cruel luck for him. Has led to England drafting Sam Billings into the squad as wicket-keeping cover, although looks fairly likely that James Bracey will probably drop down the order from where he might have batted if he'd have made his um, debut, um, potentially up the order. He bats uh, three for his county side, um, Gloucestershire. Um, and look, potential- Did they bring in Hamid as well? Yeah, so they they brought in Hamid as batting cover. Um, so he's had a really, really good start to the season, couple of hundreds and 90-odd, um, and a couple of other scores as well. Uh, for Notts, who hadn't won a county championship game since, I think, 2018, and Jeez. they've now won three on the bounce um, this year. So, look, that's, for me, really good because he's, he's looked very, very good on the... the uh, the highlights packages that I've I've seen, um, and obviously most batters look good on the highlights package when they're <laughs> when they're scoring runs. Um, but no, he's 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 turned from a boy into a man. You know, he's got a bit of strength. Um, looks to have kind of really really worked hard on his uh, on his game um, under Peter Moore, who was the England coach when he um, came into the Test side in India in in 2016 as well. I was reading a little bit about him actually, and um, they're talking about where where is he at now? His is it Nottinghamshire? And they've talked about the conditions that they've put him into, given him some responsibility. It's sort of seen him return back to how he was when he first came onto the scene. Do you think that that could be a rod for his own back if he's going into a bit of an unknown environment where you know that's how he struggled 
earlier when he was at where was it before sorry or no so he was at, he was at Lancashire, Lancashire. before um look I, I don't know a massive amount about um all the the whys and wherefores but um his dad was a massive influence on his game and actually was his you know his coach um at times actually preferring to work with his dad rather than coaches that were in the Lancashire and England setup. Um, so I think um, moving and making that break to a new county, um, albeit under Peter Moores, who um, was England coach, then actually went to Lancashire as coach um, before he went back and uh, coached England again and now he's at uh, Nottinghamshire. Um, so yeah, quick biography of Peter Moores there <laughs> as well. Um, but look, I, I think Hamid, has, uh, it's been helped that he's gone to another major ground, a, a test playing ground and a, uh, and a county where there is a little bit of pace in that, uh, that wicket at Trent Bridge. Um, and look, I think that, you know, that's done really, really wonders for his game. I think that let's not forget as well, he was in great form when he um, unfortunately broke his finger and then, you know, that ended his little international run. He didn't actually then come back into the side. He went back into county cricket, struggled, lost his contract and now has um, seen a little bit of a, um, a resurgence. The, the thing that really puzzles me about this, though, is... They've brought Sam Billings into the squad, who was at the IPL with the Delhi Capitals, I think, um, for the tournament, having made a, uh, an edict as the uh, selection panel that they weren't going to pick anyone that was at the IPL. Johnny Bairstow must be sitting at home going, hold on a second, I've gone from losing the gloves a couple of years ago um, to be behind Joss Butler, then to be behind Ben Folks. Now I'm behind Joss Butler, Ben Folks, James Bracey, and Sam Billings when he said he really wants to get that. Mm. If there was a like-for-like opportunity for Butler not playing, um, look, I think he's got to feel pretty hard done by that he's not got the... You know, would you fancy maybe a Red Bull game for Yorkshire and then uh, a couple of test matches whilst we give Joss uh, a little rest? And I think he just said, absolutely, please. I'll bat at seven. If I get 100, then pressure's on you, um, selectors, as we move into that India series and the Ashes coming up in December uh, 2022. 2021 even. Uh, and I guess uh, moving to the New Zealand stuff, I, d- I don't know really that the the warm-up game that they've played, two days kind of into squad game, I don't know that it's really changed a lot. We've seen 50s for Daryl Mitchell, Ratcher and Ravindra. We've had uh, D- Devin Conway, Colin de Granholm, Doug Bracewell all score 50s. It, a lot of bowlers chipped in with a couple of wickets. It, it sort of felt like a warm-up game, which is exactly what it was. And, mm. and I don't think it's really changed anything in terms of what we're going to see in, in Test 1. I've got two questions for you, for you New Zealand guys. Devin Conway opened the batting, looked pretty comfortable. Does he now get the first billing officially? Is he is he now it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. No, no disagreement? No sneaky Will Young theories? Oh, I think I think that he will open the batting. I don't think that he should open the batting. I know we've had this discussion earlier, but it's one of those situations where you pick your best batsman and you fit them in the side. Yep. So, so who would open the batting for you? For, for me, I think that opening the batting is a specialist position. I don't know if we have selected that way. Will Young is probably the best fit for that, but uh, I think that Conway deserves a shot uh, just in the form that he's in currently. Mm-hmm. And the Gronholm and Mitchell both made runs by the sound of it from what you were saying, Stuart. Does that give you any more clarity from what you've seen of those two performances as to who you would prefer to have in the side? Yeah, it's, it's, I think we talked about this last week and how I would prefer probably to have Mitchell in the side, just more on a 
that he's he's in possession of the jersey and I think he did enough to keep it. But uh, I don't know, the the reading the tea leaves, I wonder if, you know, Colin de Gronholm's ability with the ball and, and seeing the pitch pictures of the pitch, uh, it certainly doesn't look like uh, it will take much spin on, on days on the early days. So, you know, Mitchell Santner scored a few runs in that game. The, I guess, the, as we mentioned last week, there's a chance that if they go with a spinner, it would be someone like Rachin Ravindra, who who would lengthen the batting lineup and bat seven and bowl spin. But, yeah, I, I feel like if they think de Gronholm is fit enough, maybe they go with him. But it, it's, you know, I, I actually think we've got so much talent that's almost about the same ability in what they've done in the last couple of years that we probably can't go too wrong, And if, if that makes sense. Is there any chance they both play? Well, I suppose that that could happen, but certainly in this first test, when but that would that would mean they would be leaving out a seamer. So Matt Henry or Doug Bracewell or someone like that doesn't get to play. I mean, Bracewell getting fifty, maybe they maybe that bumps him up ahead of Henry. There are a few questions, but I I think in reality, the main questions around this side once Bolt comes back, the only they've almost been answered, and that Conway has just been in such supreme form. The only way I think anything changes for the World Test Championship is if they decide that someone's really struggling or someone gets injured or something before that time. I think as, as much as they would say, we haven't pencilled in our 11 for that side, Pretty I, think close they, now. I, I think they just about have. Uh, you've got to keep it simple in this situation. Pick, mm. pick the players who you know should be there. We don't need to, we don't need to do anything special here. Bixie, I've got a question for you before we wrap up the England-New Zealand segment. Have you you've seen a lot of the county championship in terms of highlights and streaming and so forth over the last couple of weeks? In your mind, have England got any closer to what their ideal first eleven would be for that Test match? You know, Ollie Robinson, Stone, Overton, all putting their hand up. Who do you think has got the front running there? Yeah, so so for me, I think Ollie Robinson um, comes in and plays. Um, if yeah, if I'm reading um, England's tea leaves um, correctly. So yeah, for, for me, I, I think as long as Sibley's fit, I think um, they will go with him because I think they've tried to put that top three together with the Ashes in mind. Mm. Um, so I think they, you know, they go burn Sibley, Crawley, Root. Um, obviously, Stokes will come back in at five. Um, I think Pope actually probably might move up to five in this lineup um, to accommodate um, your man Lawrence, Lawrence at six, six. yeah, um, and then. Um, Bracey at seven, or you could bat those guys either way around, really. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, Robinson comes in at eight. Um, I wonder, like you guys, whether we play a spinner or whether we go with, um, yeah, that, that that seam attack. Most of the pundits seem to think we'll play either wood or stone. Um, I'm not so sure that you necessarily need that pace um, um, on, on a, what will be a sluggish wicket, I, I think, um, mm. still a slow wicket. So, yeah, that, that you know, that would be the only, uh, the, the only potential... Um, selection dilemma for England is whether they go spinner or, or, or speedster. Do you think there's um, more significance to that speedster after you know Joff Archer's had his his surgery? I think you know there, there was talk that if he has to miss the India series to make sure he plays the 2020 World Cup and then the Ashes in Australia that he would miss that series. Do you think there's is there any spotlight there on the bowlers because of that? Yeah. Look, I think um, as long as he recovers from this elbow injury, which by all accounts they're pretty confident that he will, I think Wood, Archer um, and Stone are on the plane to Australia and I I can't see them playing um, all three of those together or even two of those guys 
um, together. I've said it a number of times. I wouldn't want to knock on either Brodie or Anderson's door and tell them they're not playing. Um, Anderson in what would be um, an Alistair Cook 161 test um, appearances just staggering isn't record it? unbelievable um, for a fastball I, I know we we gave him a big rap uh, six months ago or whenever he kind of broke some sort of giant record he just keeps breaking them but yeah it's it's staggering that that longevity yeah so look I, I think they will play a speedster because that's been the formula that they've that they've gone with um so that, that to me then says that it's a shootout and you might need to leave someone out let's move on though we've talked a hell of a lot about potential selections for this series over the course of the last um t- two or three uh, weeks in a pair of socks um helping us to get it into the agenda again um today uh, south Af- uh, south africa west indies uh two tests and and t20s coming up as well raj which uh, piqued your interest this week yeah raj wanted to talk about it a bit because i think this is two these are two teams that are sort of on the precipice of uh of one falling in and one rising out of the mount doom so <laughs> so with south africa you've got them coming into it at ranked seven ranked lower than the west indies who are currently ranked sixth they've been playing some cricket that's probably not of the highest quality lately. Their last series was against the uh, Pakistanis and they lost 2-0, I think it was, uh, in January of this year. You look at their lineup, and I'll, I'll go through their lineup because because they're not necessarily household names, um, but their last the last 11 that played was uh, Dean Elgar, Aidan Makram, who had a really good series, 200 runs against Pakistan. Got Rassi van der Dussen, uh, you had Faf Duplessis, who's now retired, so that's a spot open. Uh, Bavuma, de Kock, Mulder, Lindy in that sort of uh, all-rounding, all-rounder position. Mm, yeah. Then you've got Maharaj, Ravada, and and Nokia. They have taken four spinners to this to this tour as well, which gives you a kind of indication that they will be, or they're expecting it to be dry and spinning. But the real stat that piqued my interest on for the for the South Africans is that since December two thousand and nineteen, I believe they've only scored three hundreds as a test-playing nation, and the only team lower than them is, is Afghanistan, and they've played significantly less tests. So that's 300s for South Africa in eight test matches, which is, it is a, it is a problem. It is a real problem. Uh, and then just, just shining the spotlight a little bit on the West Indies. So we know that there's a bit of conjecture around the, the contract situation at the moment, what's happening. You've got a team that's starting to build some momentum. They had a great series win against Sri Lanka and then Bangladesh. Uh, the series before that, they, the Sri Lanka one was a draw, but they played some good cricket. Uh, I just I just see them sort of coming back into relevance in terms of world cricket, test cricket being some kind of superpower. When is the last time you would have seen West Indies going into a test series against Sri Lanka? If not even Stevens, probably the favourite to win it. Thoughts? I think the the South African is going to be a case of who can we find that can play. West Indies are going to have the opposite problem. They're going to have all of these players who will be vying for spots, and the competition for spots in the West Indian Indian batting lineup, which for years has been who can we find that we can that, that we can get to play. There's massive competition for spots. You've got Maya, you've got Bonner, you've got Puran, you've got Hetmeyer with a point to prove. You've got all these guys now all of a sudden in the middle order. Roston Chase is in there you've as got well. Brooks, you've got De Silva. You've got, all of yeah. these guys, right, that you're going to have to find to fit in that top six for the West Indies. It's a fantastic problem for them to have all of a sudden. 
And if one or two of them can fire, I think they can put South Africa to the sword. Because to your point, Raj, where are they going to get runs from in that lineup? They know that they're going to have Elgar, who's stable. Markram had a good series against Pakistan, but we haven't quite seen him perform to the level that I think he's capable of. I think he could be quite a good Test match cricketer, Aidan Markram. Uh, but then for the rest of the side, it is really a question of when are those guys going to step up and make big hundreds? Tem- Timber Bavuma is yeah. is one of the guys that they'll be looking to do that. Well, we talked about it when we talked about the change in captaincy after uh, de Kock uh, threw the toys out of the pram. And uh, I think you've got a situation where I think we went through and we couldn't find a, almost a single lock for even selection, let alone um, the captaincy. Mm. And, and as you say, West Indies with the opposite problem. I think it's brilliant. Um, I really want to see a resurgence in West Indies cricket. You know, they've not been a power um, since, what, the late 80s, very early um, 90s now. Mm. Um, so, look, I, I really, really hope that they can uh, get that group of young players and young batsmen um, onto the park for a, a period of time and, and hopefully um, that resurgence because, it's yeah, it's great to watch them when they're in full flow. Yeah, and then they've, they've gone back down the... Uh the old route of having a trial. They've assembled 30 players uh, and a four-day match is about oh, wow. to kick off tonight, I believe, our time Monday Monday night. So that'll be interesting to watch. Fantastic for world cricket for the West Indies to be back because, one, it's a great place for, for teams to tour. It's a great place for us to watch cricket um, as well as fans. So uh, let's hope that there's some real competitive cricket played in that series and the West Indies are on the way up. Well, that's awesome, Bordy, and wraps up this very, very short This Week in Cricket um, this week. Uh, we've got a couple of interviews coming up in the feed as well. Ken Rutherford and Ian O'Brien that we've just recorded um, this evening, which uh, both of which are fantastic uh, listens, so watch out for those um, in your feed. We'll be also back with plenty more news, views and interviews um, across the world of cricket in the coming week, so stay tuned in the feed for that. Also, keep an eye on our social feeds. We've got some um, exciting news Um, coming up on the social feeds over the course um, of the next couple of weeks or so. Um, If you're well inclined, you're going to be able to get um, pictures of our ugly mugs on some uh, top order podcast merchandise um, in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out um, for that. I'm sure you'll all be waiting with uh, bated breath. Not as excited as Binksy is. He's fizzing. Absolutely fizzing. Who wouldn't want me on their coffee mug? (laughs) Um, But look, I think that's a good time to leave the podcast Um, here on Possibles uh, versus Probables on our merchandise lineup. But stay tuned, www.thetopwaterpodcast.com if you want to find all the details. But that's it from all of us here this evening in a rainy Auckland. Good night and God bless and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. 